Welcome back, Rage Nation. Definitely not PR friends. Myself, Pete. He needs to stop, like, fucking getting cute with these kicks. John the Mountain Man Stokes. You're not putting them on my models, motherfucker. Chris the non-tech Asian. Put the tape measure up and get some wages. You, yeah, no, you really frustrated me. You walked away and you came back and your scalp would be thrown across the room. <laughs> I'm just here so I don't get fined. I will will share with you my one rage quit story. You know, I'm a robot and I don't have a solo press now eight. This is going to be a really great opportunity for everybody to see how you effed up. All right, welcome back, Rage Nation. We got the gang all back together again and ready to have a good old time. The cold weather isn't going to stop us. Ooh. Yeah, apparently the cold weather was slowing down, Pete, because you took freaking forever to get on. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. Well, we didn't, we didn't know if we were going to record. No British accents <laughs> this week, but let's talk about Guild Ball. All right, yeah, so it's been a little bit since we uh, got on. John, it's been a while since you talked Guild Ball, since you weren't on the last episode really with us. Yeah, I haven't even listened to that either. <laughs> it's fluff. John doesn't care. Nope. Let's just, let's just compete. Looking at the news, the only thing that's really new, and we, we talked about this a little bit in the short patron uh, episode that we dropped, but now the uh, clock's different for tournaments now when you end up clocking out you have five minutes to do your thing i like it yep that'll be good it'll be a nice improvement because i'm sick and tired of feeling rushed through a one minute activation that's bullshit well and it's hard like especially if you have like a captain activation to get the full effect out of it in a short one minute window right so i think that this will help you out like when you really need to string together those complicated activations that you need to try and win the game when you're out like that down and out yep you need you need to be able to use fillets full stack to get a six point activation and win i agree yeah and when you're rolling 20 dice with rage it's hard to count them all out in you know one minute i also like that if you know you have no freaking chance to win you can just take a five minute activation and then blame it on the clock dang yeah i had more time i had it oh i clocked myself i hit that death <laughs> clock yeah, I mean, and so those of you that don't know, the, the clock still works the same. Like for each activation you do, you still give up a victory point. But now you have just a flat five minutes. You can use it however you want. And then once you're done, you're you're lost the game. Yeah, I like it. It's a good change. Uh, I don't think it's one of those things where I don't get down to the clock too often anyway. So I'm, I'm okay with the change because I feel like when I do clock that, I don't know. It usually just doesn't come into a huge, huge effect in my games. I'm usually either at that time already so far out of it that it doesn't really matter or I'm up a little bit so I can benefit from this five minutes that they changed it to. Um, anything else going on in Guild Ball? Any other news that you guys have that you want to share? Oh, I want to bounce an idea off of you guys. All right. Because this popped up in a Facebook post. I don't okay. know if you guys saw this earlier. If you go into a model, if you have a model that has Sunstrike on it, Hunters players, and you hit a model that has Resilience, do you get the momentum? So the Resilience, it's the same thing as when you buy an attack on it, that the Resilience ignores any successes, doesn't matter how many you get, and so you wouldn't get momentum off it because it's not a successful attack. But that's not what Sunstrike says. Okay, what's Sunstrike say? Sunstrike says when target-friendly model hits one or more enemy models with a character play, 
after resolving the play. So the result, the resolve would be it's ignored because of resilience. Uh, the friendly team gains one MP. But resilience okay. says it's ignored. Yeah. So resilience, it ends up saying that the first time that you're hit by an attacker character play this model, the attack is ignored. So even though you hit, it just triggers resilience and then it's ignored anyway. So you don't trigger and get the momentum. No, no, no. But that's not what it, that's not how it reads. Like if you look at it, like it says when target friendly model hits inherently to pop the resilience and ignore the character play, you need to hit. So you've hit and then getting the one MP is not attached to, it's not, you get one MP in addition to any other effects of the character play. You just get one MP. You hit someone, now you get one MP, right? Yeah, after resolving the play, though. Yeah, so the, the, res- so, but that, the resolution but of saying. the play is... is it's igno- The play is ignored, but you still hit somebody, and so you still get the MP from the... See, and, and this is kind right? of... this And see, so this is kind of the bullshit that I hate anyways, because clearly somebody's just trying to lawyer the shit out of this, and it's like, the rules as intended is that if you hit a model successfully, this that you know you get the momentum but this is just like as intended it's like a regular attack where it's like if it's successful you get momentum no no no. somebody's so this is what this is why this is why i'm bringing this up i'm specifically bringing this up to you guys because of this issue one i looked on the forums i can't find a ruling on this but if you look at like blessing of the moon goddess which obviously within the same guild everyone's familiar with it on that character play it says the next time target friendly model makes a successful attack. So that one indicates that you need to be successful. The other one yeah, indicates that you need to be This one says the same thing. It's like when this model hits one or more models. Correct. It's like if you hit a model with resilience, that hit is then ignored. Yeah, I think the whole hit is no, 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 the no, whole you, thing is ignored. Even though it hits, you ignore the hit. So you you take yeah. it like the hit is ignored. So the hit didn't happen. No, 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 but that's not what it. resilience even says. Because resilience says the first time each turn this model is hit right, by an ignored. enemy model, the yeah. the attack and character play are ignored, but you still got hit. No, it's ignored. Yeah, it's ignored. So it's like the hit never happened. No, it's it's your your hit, but you're it's not, the same. You don't it's the same. Result, it's the right? same thing if you do like hammer's knockback thing. It's like it says like oh when hammer hits a model in melee, he gets to do a one inch push and he can dodge a one inch. If he hits a model that has resilience, I'm pretty sure that doesn't trigger. Well, not according to how I'm reading this, then, because the knockback knockback specifically says successful attack. It doesn't say hits. Like like this is this is the very thing. What you're describing, the difference that you're describing, is the very thing that I'm talking about. I don't know. Wait for the lawyer guild to take it up and figure it out. Then yeah, and know. like I'm saying, I always go with rules as you know intended. It's like. Obviously, if you look at the way that successes work, as intended, I feel like this would be the same thing where it's like resilience would just ignore anything that happens after. It doesn't even matter if you wrap into a resilient model, all the successes get to, you know, get ignored. And, you know, you can you can sit here and, you know, chop this sentence up however you want. But if I was running a tournament, I'd look at this and say, yeah, no, the whole thing's ignored. So until the rule rules lawyers would say anything different i don't care how you would argue that to me it's just like yeah that's not the case in 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 this case i'm just like well obviously like they've phrased these things differently and so that would imply that there's different results that can occur from the different phrasing of those rules 
if it wasn't a character, like if it wasn't saying a successful character play, then do- maybe you'd have an argument. That's what I'm saying. It doesn't say that, Pete. Like you, like you keep adding successful. Like the, my whole point in this whole discussion is it just says hits. It doesn't say successful character play or successful attack. Yeah, see, but I I put the two things together. It's like it's the same fucking thing. But that's what I'm. So that's why I'm asking this because, and that's why I think this discussion is to be had is because yes you are putting those things together you do associate them as the same thing but according to what i'm reading they are two separate things that's my point are they how are they different well one would just be a roll to see if you hit and then the other one would be the all of the corresponding successful results see and here here's the here's the difference though with it is this is talking about hitting with character plays, mm-hmm. whereas when you gave the example of the other things, it's talking about successful attacks in melee. Sure. So it's two different areas you're talking about, but when it comes to resilience, it's still the same thing where it's like character plays or attacks are ignored like they didn't even happen. So if that character play didn't even happen, you can't get the one momentum for Sunstrike. But inherently you had to hit. Like the... Like the it, but it's ignored. <laughs> no, no, it's not. Like you had to hit to trigger the because if you, if the entire hit is ignored and you never hit Vet Fangtooth, for instance, then every single time you attack Vet Fangtooth, you would be able to say resilience, 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 because Listen, you haven't Chris, hit me I, yet. I I get that you have to hit to trigger resilience, but once you trigger it, it acts like the attack or character play didn't happen. And then it's triggered for the turn. Well, this is what's going to have to happen. You guys are going to have to make an obnoxious, humiliating humiliating bet on this. Because we're making no new points. And we're going around in circles. <laughs> so just make a bet. And we'll see what happens. And let's go. Yeah, bet. Let's bet. No, because here, here's why I don't want to bet. Because as soon as somebody hears this, they're immediately going to just side against me no matter what. <laughs> no, no. So it'll be, it'll be solved before I this. Think, I just think you're wrong. It'll if be solved those well before this guild people out. are listening to this, like, I know for a fact... Jamie Perkins will be happy to decide this just so are I can you, lose So bet. here's the thing. Do you <laughs> do you really think that's the way it works? Or are you just being kind of like the devil's advocate here and you're just arguing for that point? I'm saying either I'm saying it's either a good example of where rules need to be codified, where like the language of the on the cards either needs to be tightened up, or it needs because the what you're basically saying here, Pete, is well, this is the intended desire of this rule or, or what we meant to do but that's sort of like saying well common sense tells me like that doesn't matter like it doesn't matter what your common sense says because anytime somebody uses those types of phrase well the intention or my common sense tells me that just means that's how i figure it out that doesn't yeah, actually mean that that was the intention or it doesn't actually mean that it is common sense that just means well this is how i reason it right so yeah the point of this in general is I think it's an interesting example where if you just take the the literal definitions of the things that are on the card, it implies that Sunstrike works differently than other things. And it also implies that there can be different results because it works differently than other things. But I understand what you're saying. It, it is probably simpler for everyone to just say, hey, it's not a successful attack. You don't get the momentum. I understand why that's a simple thing to, to arrive at. But in this case, I'm like, that's not what the rules say. 
Like well, the rule, you know, the rules don't directly address this. And if you're just reading exactly what's on the cards, all the things that have to take place for the desired one momentum from Sunstrike do transpire. Yeah, except for they're ignored by resilience. That. <laughs> so, anyways, moving on. <laughs> I would bet. I mean, I, I I don't see how they would ever rule the other way on that. I mean, that would just make it kind of dumb. Where to me, that would remind me of like season three, where it's like, oh, in this instance, you scatter the ball and you center it, and on this other instance, you scatter it a different way. And uh, you know, it's just. Yeah, it's just dumb. It's, yeah, I don't think that's how it was intended, and that's not how I would rule it. That's just that's just me, though. That's that's me. Well, maybe that's something they can fix in the March Arata. There, there you go. Why do you think I'm bringing it up on this episode? <laughs> yeah. So looking at that Arata, it's coming up supposedly in March. And do you guys? So let's just kind of. We haven't talked about this, but I think it's good to mention it. Unless it gets Are there lost any kind of? Route. Is there any kind of wish list? That you kind of like, yeah, this needs to be fixed or tweaked. Yeah, make the wording for Sunstrike more cohesive to the okay, rest that, of the game. That's, oh, de- that's definitely low on the fucking scale. That's <laughs> that's so low. Uh, yeah, I, I obviously want Scalpel fixed. <laughs> this is some bullshit. And, I, I mean, if I look at Scalpel, I think that there's a couple ways they could easily fix her. One is just making it where... Maybe she only can push enemy players, maybe, with her uh, ability to you know push people around. Or I know, Chris, you've advocated for keeping it the same, but just making it a legendary turn or a legendary play. Yeah, because then she can't do it to every single turn. Yeah. She gets one big turn of wrecking your turn, not every turn of wrecking your turn. What about you, John? Was there anything you were uh, uh, thinking that should be changed? I just want to see the bottom guilds come up a little bit. You know, I'm not even that upset about scalpel anymore. I mean, scalpel's whatever. It's not. It's not so broken that like scalpel's winning every tournament. So I'm kind of okay. I just want to see. I just want to see it get balanced out. Bring bring the bottom up to the top a little bit. Yeah, and there there's definitely some guilds that could use some more help. I feel like you know some of those teams like maybe engineers and I mean I've been I've been playing a lot of union and obviously we're going to talk about them today. We're gonna. The numbers for Union, when I've been looking at it, have been like a little surprisingly low to me, and and the reason I think that is because I've been playing them a lot, and I, I think there's some really good play with them, so I've been surprised to see them still that low. Well, I, I, there's also an element that needs to be considered, which is we look at this long shanks data of what people are playing and the results that they're getting off of what they're playing. But that doesn't tell the story of who are the people playing them and the way they're influencing the whole of that meta. Well, I also think that you have to look at how many people are playing them. Because if you look at the numbers, and I ended up getting these numbers from uh, Rich from Don't Touch the Beard. He, he actually posts like the numbers of how many games people are playing with the guild and like how they've moved up and down. So, I mean, if you look at, like, Butchers, Hunters, and Morticians, all those guilds have at least a 1,000 games in. Whereas when you get down to, like, Union, Engineers, and uh, and then the minor guilds, they're, like, right around 400 or below. So, I mean, you're almost looking at a third of the games that people are playing those guilds compared to those, you know, sexier guilds or the guilds that got the most tweaks in the new season, right? So, 
I think that also is a big pick part of the picture that not as many people are playing them because they're not viewed as, you know, top tier like like the morticians, butchers, and hunters are. See, but I think a big issue with that is the fact that a few voices or successful players in a meta are able to influence everyone. So when every podcast says hunters, morticians, and butchers are good... Everybody's jumping Everyone on it. Everyone jumps on it. Even though, like, I strongly and totally believe that the blacksmiths are, are capable of dealing with those teams. The union is just as good, if not better, than it was in Season 3. And obviously, they had no problem winning in Season 3. Yep. So, I think that part of it is there's almost this bandwagon element. And this doesn't so much happen in our meta, Pete, because, like... You always want to jump around to different teams because you get bored. Bandwagon. But in other ones where like you have <laughs> maybe a few guys that set the tone for the entire meta, and then they go out and win all these tournaments. Like, there's a reason why, even though I don't think that the butchers are the strongest of those three teams that we mentioned, there's a reason why so many people in Chicago, when you look at those tournaments, play butchers. Why? Because Alex Boss is playing Butchers, and if he puts his seal of approval on it, everyone thinks, I better start playing the Butchers. And there are so yeah. few people that are willing to be like, no, I think the blacksmiths are just as good, and maybe I don't play as well as Alex Botts, but I know that they're a good team and I'm going to play them. Yeah, and that actually brings up kind of my, uh, my next point, and... Uh, I don't know, John, have you ever had a chance to talk or meet with uh, Antonio Menendez yet? So he's the guy that is running Bourbon Trail Open, which is coming around the corner, and I'm pretty excited to, to go to. Um, but yeah, he actually started, uh, I wouldn't call it a podcast, but he's, he's doing like this series of interviews where he talks to different people around uh, the Guild Ball scene, and he actually interviewed Alex Botts. And one thing I thought that Botts said that was interesting is, he said that, you know, this is a game I like to compete in, and I feel like I need to play those top guilds to basically compete in this game because that's the way he just felt. Whereas I look at that, and I'm kind of like, I mean, I can play Hunters because they're strong right now, and I, I like them. I could play Butchers because they're strong. I could play Morticians because they're strong. But I don't know. There's something to be said for playing just a different guild that plays a little differently and still has some strength to it like the union that I've been playing a lot. And I think you can be just as successful with them, even though they're not considered that top tier guild. Right. I mean, I'm just, I play hunters because I enjoy the play style. I played them yeah. early in season three. I, I, I mean, it's kind of nice that they're strong right now, but if they get, if they get the big old nerf in March, then I'm going to keep playing them because I like play style. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I, I'm not going to jump around in bandwagon. I'm not going to peat this thing and, you know, when, when Thresher comes out, I'm gonna jump on the hotness, and when butchers are good, jump on the hotness. I'm just not. I'm not gonna do any of that. But yeah, and I, I know I didn't talk about anything being nerfed, and really, it's because I I feel like most of the stuff's in a pretty good spot right now. A lot of people would call for the hunters to get nerfed, especially like Cena and Scatha and the Shotgun Boy Supreme. But I I feel like they're strong, but there's still a certain uh, certain rhythm that they have to play, and they can still be exposed. But I like it, though, because the Hunters actually have some burst damage now. I mean, you remember in Season 3, John, when we had to, like, dance around and ping people and then go in for a quick kill and get the hell out of there. Oh, yeah, I loved it. Well, now, 
Now you can just go in and be like, all right, I got my big, you know, tank of a model bear. Okay, you're pretty low on health. All right, you're just dead now with like one or two swings. Which I think the hunters needed. They needed something that could finish a model. Yeah. Yeah, they had it. It was called Yekar. No, no, no. no. <laughs> he he was good consistent damage. And he, so he, how does that not let you take out a model? Uh, well, no, because he could he was, be countered. I was saying like, he was good for eight to tw- eight to twelve damage is about where he was good for. And even then, you you had to take certain results because you didn't want to hang around. You had to get the hell out of there. He wasn't even a damage piece. He was a control piece. Yeah, he just put out good consistent damage and controlled your ass. So, but yeah, and. I, I just thought that was interesting that he was like, you know, I feel like I have to play these top guilds, whereas I'm kind of like, I, when I look at competing, the power of a guild does come into play, but I still like the feel of it, and that's why, like, I've been playing around with the Hunters, I did a couple games with the Butchers, Morticians, Blacksmiths, and, and now Union, and I'm kind of starting to settle into Union because I really like the way that they play, and we'll talk about this later when we get into our Captain of the Week, but I gotta like the way the team plays. Like hunters in season three, I just I love the feel of them. How you could just hit and run and set up the kill and and then scatter. I mean, I just love that play style. Yeah, yeah. Kind of going into just a couple other notes here. So Bourbon Trail opens coming up. That's uh, February twenty third. John's gonna be playing uh, hunters. I'm gonna be playing Union. And we'll see, we'll see how that union goes in in that big Shark Tank we're going into, John. Yeah, I mean, I think it's gonna be fun. We'll see how we'll see how sober we stay. I was gonna say <laughs> we got to make sure that we keep that in check, John. <laughs> uh, well, see, the good thing is, you know, if we start tanking a little bit, maybe you know we could loosen up and you know get sauced a little bit. Yeah, I kind of just want to say fuck it and get tanked because it's a been a distillery and it's the Bourbon Trail Open, like fuck. It's kind of hard to. Know, it's right? kind of hard to go there and want to compete. I mean, I want to compete because there's good Just, players there. You're but. such a bullshitter. I know you, John. There's nothing that you don't want to compete in. I know. That's true. I know. But I, you know, I love to drink. That's all right. Once you see the hat go flying, then you know he's I'm, drinking Zon. I'm gonna not wear a hat anymore. I, I try not see, to wear hats. But this is why I know that, like John, as much as he likes to drink, will never be an alcoholic because the reality is, John will sacrifice anything for for a victory. <laughs> like, if he can be victorious in anything, he's willing to sacrifice anything else. Fair. Huh. You might be right. <laughs> so, like, if you were coaching and, like, we thought you were becoming an alcoholic, I'd be like, hey, this is a 15-year wins this season. And you'd be like, sober. Sober for the rest of the year. Yeah. Done. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little competitive. Anyways, another tournament that we're planning on going to, uh, Lon's running a tournament up in Raleigh, calling it the uh, Raleigh warm-up for, like, spring fling and how's that. And that's on March 23rd. So that'll be a good tournament to kind of warm up, play some good players. I know Glenwood's going to be there. Uh, I already signed up for it. I think, Chris, you're planning on going. So, yeah, there's going to be a lot of... You know what? Actually, I think I'm pretty free right there. So let's add this to the old... Put it on the calendar. Put it on the old calendar. Uh, Let's see here. And then, obviously, Spring Fling's coming up. That's looking at uh, April 27th. And then don't forget about Old Jake's How's That... We got 47 signed up for that right now, and we still got plenty of room for y'all. So go ahead and get signed up. We'd love to get some more Northerners. Uh, we got a couple a couple more Northerners signed up for it, so I'm, I'm excited for that. And that's on uh, that's going to be May 18th, so that's going to be a good one. Hey, quick also question about this Raleigh warm-up. Is that a two-day or a one-day deal? It's a one-day one. deal. Okay. 
Juan does a good job kind of packing it in and getting it done. So that, that that's a good one-day tournament. What we want to kind of talk about for our Get Good segment is we kind of already mentioned this a little bit in here. And I, I actually liked it when you brought it up, Chris, how you were talking about just something that new players – something that's good when you do this is when you play multiple guilds as a new player – it's good because you're trying to get a feel for a guild that you like. But then it's also bad because you're not learning any one guild and getting proficient with one guild because you keep having to learn all these new rules. And I started thinking about that and I think it actually applies to veteran players as well because I've been bouncing around a lot in Season 4. Like I said, I've tried like five guilds so far. And I'm finally settling in on Union, and the more I play it, the more I'm like, okay, I'm getting really comfortable with some of these matchups and, you know, who I should drop and who I shouldn't into different games. And there's a lot to be said for just settling in on one guild and playing that out for a while. Right, but you've also been playing for a while, so it's easier for you who knows all the cards to bounce around than it is for a new player. A new player really hurts at bouncing around because they don't know the cards. I mean, I guess they're learning more cards, but... Yeah, but there's been a time, like, that last tournament I played Union in, there, there was a couple matchups that I, I feel like if I had more experience into, it would have ended up better for me. And that's kind of where I'm like, and specifically it was the Farmers matchup where I'm like, I dropped Rage and I dropped a couple other questionable picks. And after playing that game, I was like, okay, I would have switched this up a little bit. But I think that just comes with experience of getting more games in with that guild. Yeah, I think that the measure that I would put into this is, because a lot of times people don't know whether or not they want to change something just because they feel bored or they don't feel it's good enough or they just haven't had enough practice with it or or what it is. And so I recognize with a new player being able to diagnose when it's a situation where they should be sticking it out versus when it's a situation where maybe they should move on is whether or not their experience is I feel like I'm not good enough with this guild versus I don't like how this guild plays. Yeah, and I think that's a good point. And actually, our local Joe got to that point. He's been playing Fish, and he loves playing Shark. But there's a couple matchups where it's like Shark just has a rough time, right? There's just a couple of guilds where it's like Shark is really struggling to get get work done. And... We were telling him it's like you gotta it, you gotta learn Corsair a little bit for those bad matchups that Shark has, and he tried Corsair for about four games, and it got to the point after this week where he's like, Pete, I just hate Corsair. I just don't like the way he plays. I'm I don't think I like the positioning game you got to do with him. And I was like, dude, there's nothing wrong with that, but I don't feel like you're good enough with Shark to just run solo Shark. Like, and plus Shark is so dependent sometimes on just luck you know you can't consistently win with that sometimes so i was like i think you need a two captain guild and he kind of is starting to settle i think into butchers because he's played them before and is pretty comfortable with them so and i think that was a smart move just because i he was really struggling with that fish competitive wise yeah so i i think that this is a really good example because there were a lot of times where, and we'll use Joe as the example for this episode just because we know Joe so well and I don't think it'll hurt his feelings to just be really... Oh, he, he knows he's the, in, he's the inspiration for us. Yeah, di- dissect his experience, right? So Joe was having tournaments where he would go to and he would play Shark and he liked playing Shark, he liked the play style 
and he wasn't getting the results he wanted, and it was frustrating. And he wanted to just keep hopping around from guild to guild. And I said, well, Joe, you that's not going to get you the... Re- just changing guild isn't going to get the results you want. You need to get better at the guild you're playing. And so he, he decided, okay, well, I'm going to try and play Corsair. And he, he ended up hating the playstyle of Corsair. So then that's an indicator to me that, hey, maybe put away the fish because you're not going to like playing both of these captains and you're not getting the results that you want. So those are both elements. If it was a matter of, hey, I'm just not good with Corsair yet. I mean, like, I think it's fun to bounce people off the board. I I don't know how to position people well. I just don't, I, I don't know how to do it. It's, that's something where I would say, well, stick it out, learn how to do this thing that you don't like doing but or that you're not skilled at doing but you do like his play style in the sense of bouncing people off the board you think that's fun so just get more proficient with Corsair yeah because ideally you if you want to be competitive if you want to get good fast you will have a guild that you feel like you can run both captains with equal proficiency and what that will generally look like is a, a situation where, hey, I'm playing this guild, but you really don't care which one you play in a casual game against friends at your local game shop. Uh, or if somebody asks you, oh, can I, can you show me this captain? You're feeling equally comfortable to play both. You're not lost with either one feeling like, well, who do I take with this captain? Or... What do I do now in this circumstance with this captain? If you're feeling that, you probably just don't know one of your captains well enough. Yeah, and let me ask you, John, because you've been playing Hunters for over a year now. So you, you've you been kind of like the the role model sticking it out with a guild. Why, why don't I get at, credit for that? You do, you do too. And <laughs> I'm just trying to get, I mean, I'm just trying to get John in the podcast. But if you want to hog the mic, I mean. I mean, that's kind of the theme of our show, right? Right. So looking at it, John, what would you say the benefits of playing the same guild for that long of a time stretch? What's some of the benefits you've noticed playing as a competitive player? Uh, The longer I play, the more little tricks I find. Like, you know, forever you always joke about the Fahad goal. That was one of the tricks just playing around I find. And you you just find more tricks you can in different combinations because you got to get bored of playing the same six or once in a while. You throw someone else in there and you you find a new little trick that kind of works together with the guild, you know, some of the things you can do with Zerola and somebody else or, you know, just different guilds, you know, who you can put blessing on and how it helps. So you can take and put last light on and who it helps just kind of the way the synergies that, and kind of making up your own synergies and combinations you like from so much experience playing the same ones over and over again. Yeah. And I, I think that kind of like going off what you're saying that, you just identify situations a little better. Like when you see somebody make a move, you know how you can react to it with your guild because you've been playing them for so long. And one example that I can think of, I'll do one that I saw you do against me. And then another one I did to another player where, so we were playing in that finals at the beer city brawl there, or whatever it was called beer city warm up, I think. And there was, and we both saw it, so we both knew that it was kind of a moment. But I tried to snowball a kick to Veteran Hearn to dodge him away from the edge of the board, 
because you had the bear pretty much lined up on the ice and ready to roar me off the side. But I missed the kick because, you know, that good four-die kick. (laughs) I missed it, and then you identified it quick enough, and you're like, okay, I know the bear usually does damage, but right there's an easy push-off, so boom, there he goes. So that's one thing that you're just good at it adapting to what's happening on the pitch. And then another one that I did is there's so many times where I'll bring Egret, and this is more in season four and a little bit in season three too, where Egret was really good at just picking off a wounded model and people wouldn't think about it. Right. So there were so many times and I actually caught Mike Klein with this in the, uh, in the top eight of the U S championships where he had somebody on the back line. I think it was decimate when he was playing his union and she was really low on health. And I just moved Egret up, popped an arrow, killed her, and then back to the shadows out. And Mike's like, yep, I probably should have healed her. I was like, yep, I'm glad you didn't. So it's just, you learn little tricks like that where it's like your opponent's not even thinking about these models that some, I mean, people don't even think about Egret because they don't really see her on the pitch that often. So if you get comfortable enough with your guild where you know where you can drop these little models that nobody sees, you can really catch some people on some cool combos. Right, you kind of get used to it. And you get used to the positioning of your team. You know, you play them so long and you yep. kind of know where each piece kind of needs to be in, in, in relation to the other te- uh, players on the pitch. Yeah, and Chris, you've been playing Butchers for a while. How how practiced do you think, or sorry, how important do you think it is to practice with your guild to kind of get your turn one, you know, kind of mechanics down, like how you want your turn one to go? Yeah, that that takes a while, and I even feel that I still am learning that, depending on who I'm playing and what sort of tricks they might have. I I will tell you this though, the difference between learning the butchers and making sure people were inside Oxazaras versus just being able to feel that they're in Oxazaras, yeah, is a very different experience. So yeah. I mean, you. You've played me a ton, Pete. I don't think that you really will be, would be able to point to or remember times where I just strayed outside of Oxazara just by accident. Like, we, yeah, we don't mean, really have it, those experiences because I can just feel where his aura is. It actually is an aura for me. I feel the aura. Probably because he, yeah. he declares it. I'm going to move yeah. six inches here and then be within Oxazora. I'm within Oxazora. Don't you love my great sportsmanship? <laughs> Hey, hey, are you having a fun-filled time? Are you having a good experience? And I'll tell you, though, that turn one and just kind of like you said, getting your turn one planned out, and it's not going to look the same every time, but you should have a plan. And with the Hunters, when I played them for so long in Season 3 and some of Season 4, I had my turn one pretty much planned out relatively the same every time unless maybe my opponent made a mistake and then I could change up and jump on that mistake. But most of the time it involved like, okay, I'm going to give X amount to Theron. Um, that way I can give, you know, Sunstrike to, you know, Egret. And then I'm going to have this many on Egret. And Vet Minx is going to have this so that she can do her heroic to that one. And Jakar is going to go up. So I already had these plans for all these models, right? And that's what you want to do when you've been playing a guild for so long is you should have that turn one planned out because you, you know what you want to do. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, turn turn one. Once you've been playing for a long time, I think turn one's the easiest because it's just routine. You've done that one. You've done that so much. Oh man! And how good is it when you've played a guild for a while 
and you set up your turn one and then your opponent makes a mistake and they overextend and you're like, oh, this has just made my turn one so much better. Right. <laughs> or it's like, I'm about, I'm about to fuck you up. Or a time where you're in a situation where you're expecting, okay, I need to hold back here because this is what they're going to do at the end. And then they do whatever you were expecting early. And then you're like, oh, now I can just pile all my models on this model and kill it. Yeah. How convenient. <laughs> you know, something or something goes in your favor. They miss a pass and the ball scatters funny and it's sitting over there where you can get to it or, you know, things change. And... I always like it, though. So sometimes what I'll do to tempt, and this is more with new players, sometimes vet players don't fall for it, but I'll kind of like put the ball out on a player like a little bit above my, like a little bit in front of my team and try to tempt them to come in and take it. And if they get a goal, sure, whatever. But then I just beat that model up to get a bunch of momentum, keep the ball, you know, killed, and then just start working their team over. So tricky. It's not really that tricky, but I, <laughs> I think it's funny because they're like, oh, sweet, I got a goal. And it's like, and eh, now bad things are going to happen to you. You can also be forcing people into a situation where they have to make a choice. Do I take advantage of this now and get a score that I didn't necessarily think I'd be able to get? but know that I'm putting myself overextended or do I hold off and then maybe that goes away and I don't get what I didn't expect to get anyway. Yeah. And I, I think that's a good point, Chris. And actually those, those people don't know yet where you, Chris and I recorded a battle report that we're doing for the first time that it's going to be really edited up and it's going to look pretty slick. And one point in that it's exactly what you were talking about, Chris, where I actually had an activation and I was like, I can probably get the goal here or I could wait. But if I wait, you could really mess it up by repositioning certain models. So I ended up taking the goal run because I was like, this might not be here in an activation or two. Boiler yeah. alert. Yep. Hey, I didn't say if I made the goal. I just said I went for the goal run. <laughs> so, yeah, be on the lookout for that. I've started editing that. I'm hoping to get it out in the... Uh, in the beginning of Jan or February here, so hopefully this first week of February, I'll uh, get it out for the people to see. So yeah, that was our uh, get good segment. Just get reps in, stick with a guild for a little bit, practice both captains, and practice your turn ones. I think that there's a lot to be said for that, and just figuring it out. And you don't need you don't need friends to do that. <laughs> John does that all the time. Well, just playing with yourself and your. In your man cave, you don't need That's friends. Right. You can have, you can all have fun playing with yourself. We all, we all do it. Don't just admit we all play with ourselves. Yeah, I usually do it kind of like instead of doing it on the board, though. I'll do it kind of quick in my head, or I'll kind of sketch it out real quick what it might look like. So yeah. So with that being said, the captain of the week that we decided to do this go round, getting back into it is we're actually going to look into the Union, and the Captain of the Week is going to be Blackheart. So, Boo. guys, what what do you think about the Dread Pirate known as Blackheart? Who the fuck plays that guy? I think he's a role model for kids. That's <laughs> that's why Kid Blackheart's named Kid Blackheart. <laughs> yeah. That's probably going to get so, edited out. <laughs> nah, nah, we'll leave that one in there. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah! So, <laughs> so, when you look at, and fluff-wise, Blackheart was, you know, just kind of tyrant you know he, he just was kind of vicious and yeah he just wasn't looked at pleasantly in the free city right so there's a negative background to him as far as story goes 
but there's some interesting stories that that come with that and and some people like them some people don't and you know that's fine but let's focus kind of what he does on the pitch so when you guys look at his card what what are you kind of looking at what what do you guys think about him and what does he even do? Because some people look at his card and they're like, "What does this guy do?" Well, usually, when move I, around a shit fucking ton. Yeah, usually when I see his card, it's sitting over there in the stack of the players, not picked. Yeah, yeah, that's because people don't know what they're doing. That guy should be on the field a lot more than he is. Or because Rage is really good. Rage is really good. We'll talk about him next week, though. Yeah, but this kind of goes back to the thing about being able to play both captains proficiently if somebody is able to be threatening with blackheart rage is the one that i think most people are going to be able to pick up more quickly and so if you see a guy that can play blackheart well and win with blackheart you should be concerned so and i i've started playing union and i have been playing blackheart a lot because i think that there's a lot of slick things with blackheart that people just you got to be practiced with him to do it, right? Because he actually has a crap ton of movement just because he has shadow like, so that really his movement is six eight instead of four six, because he's getting that two inch, and that's even better because you can dodge out of people's melee zones, right? You can be like, oh, you're engaging Blackheart, but he's going to shadow like out, or even if they have a two inch reach, you go, I'm going to shadow like out by an attack. He has a dodge on one and a double dodge on two which is just ridiculous. That double dodge on two is like the money result, plus it does some damage. So you get all this movement off of him with these dodges, plus he has his own movement. And then one character play that people don't really focus on with him is On My Mark. And if you look at On My Mark, it's it's cost three if you want to pay for it, but honestly, you never want to pay for it. You always want to trigger it off the playbook. So something I like to do is Usually if I'm beating the crap out of a model, just kind of do that. Hit that two, that two damage and on my mark. And when you hit on my mark, it triggers a kick from a friendly player. So they make a pass to Blackheart. Then you can do that to get another four-inch dodge, which just gives him more movement. So, I mean, there's been some turns where Blackheart just moves like a crazy amount of distance across the pitch. I'm talking about like this four-six model ends up moving something crazy like... 14, 15, 16 inches across the pitch, which you wouldn't expect looking at his card. And he has a 3-6 kick, which is pretty decent. Yeah, I mean, uh, I line up with him, you know, the 2-inch melee, the movement. I line up, uh, you take Mist, the 2-inch melee, the movement. I mean, you can put a fast team on the pitch, which isn't something you really think about when you think of Union. Yeah, and that's kind of why I like him as the opposite captain of Rage. Rage is just kind of like this almost like this tank that's moving across the board is like, if you bring anybody near this little area, they're going to die. And good luck. I'm going to keep the ball kind of back a little bit. So good luck getting that. And yeah, you just murder things. Whereas Blackheart, there's some teams that Rage just isn't as good into in season four. Like season three, I think you could get away with playing Rage more. Just single, just dropping him. Kind of like what Mike Klein did. But I think in season four... It's just there's too many matchups where people can out-damage Rage, which really wasn't said too often in Season 3. So those are the drops that I think you need Blackheart to kind of scatter, get some quick goals, and then get one or two takeouts. Yeah, and this is one of the big advantages of playing Union is you're looking at a situation where both captains are 
pretty different. And so because both of them are so different, you're able to really adjust to your opponent very well, especially if you know what you're doing when you're drafting. There aren't a lot of them that are that capable of, a lot of guilds, I mean, that are that capable of being able to play whatever way that they want. I mean, there. When I look at my, when I look at my butchers, when I look at the masons, your your hunters, John, there aren't a lot of them that have things where it's like, oh yeah, one has two inch and the other one has one inch, and one is able to spread out all over the board and move wherever they want, and the other one is able to. Uh, you know, scrum up like there. There just aren't a lot of guilds that are that diverse in their playstyles, and it creates some really unique advantages. Yeah, and something else I like about Blackheart that in the matchups that Rage isn't that good into, his three-two is three defense and two armor. That two armor is like super helpful. And Chris, I know you also enjoy the three-two with your Ox play these days. So three-two is a really good defensive stat. Yeah, that that three two status is difficult to overcome in many circumstances. It takes away a significant portion of people's playbooks. Yeah, and another thing that I like is if you look at him, he also has butchery. So that's another reason why I like Blackheart because you can switch real quick when you need to. Whereas you can go this scoring game, but all of a sudden, if you notice your opponent overextend. You can go in with Blackheart, do some damage, put out Butchery, and now you're doing plus one damage on that model. So yeah. really slick how you can be kind of like finesse it into a you know a two two game and get yourself some quick takeouts with that Butchery. Well, so since you've been playing him a little bit, P, what do you think are the matchups that he excels in? So where I've been dropping him, so everybody knows that Butchers are getting a shit ton of love in season in season uh, four. So he's been my Butcher drop, and I played Butchers twice in that tournament I went to a couple weeks ago out in Atlanta, and he's just really good about dodging in and out of that kind of kill bubble. And he's that 3-2 keeps him alive enough where when I notice they're going to start zeroing in on him, I can dodge him out real quick and get him the hell out of there. So I really like him into that Butcher's drop, and we'll talk about some of the pieces that I like with him. I also like him into, uh, I kind of like him into Farmers. I played that a couple of times. I thought Rage would be a better drop into Farmers, but Blackheart does some really cool things. He's definitely my drop into Fish because Fish love to scatter. So they usually just stay away from Rage's kill bubble. So Blackheart's a cool drop into that. Uh, I haven't tried him into Hunters yet, but I imagine he's probably my Hunters drop just because Rage can be controlled and the one-inch reach and... Yeah, it just seems like Rage would have a tougher time with that. And same thing with Morticians. I feel like Blackheart's probably my drop into there. And the Minor Guilds, I feel like I could drop either Captain. Uh, I tell you what, the matchups I don't drop him, though, are probably Blacksmiths and Masons, just because of all the extra armor, and they're kind of tankier, and I feel like I need Rage to go in there and you know clean up and do some damage. So that's kind, of, that's kind of my feel with him so far. And obviously I'm still working through it, but that's just kind of my early interpretations of where I drop him. What about auto-includes with him? Who do, you, who do you always take with Rage or with Blackheart? Blackheart. So with Blackheart, I definitely like 
a couple of models. I think that you just bring coin with both captains just because the turtle is just so damn slow. And it's a shame because I love that model, but you just don't bring the turtle. So uh, auto includes, though, I feel like with him, you always bring Fangtooth. Fangtooth with three influence is ready to go and kill stuff. And Fangtooth's actually a lot faster in season four. Because once you do his heroic, you boost up to a six-eight movement. Yeah, you her- which is get, a mo- get butcher really out of model, good. take Fangtooth's heroic, and go destroy something. Yeah, plus plus two damage on a model usually means you're dead. Hitting six damage on the top end is really good. Uh, also, I usually always bring Harry with him, just because Harry Harry does some really cool things with Blackheart. Uh, single Doubt is always good, and I love that Single Doubt got put on Harry's card for Season 4. Uh, Molotov is still good for controlling where you want people to go. and Plus, honestly, Blackheart wants to play a scoring game, and Inspiring Hat is just freaking awesome with Blackheart moving around all over the pitch. Yeah, so playing the scoring game, you take a miss too? Yeah, usually Mist ends up in that lineup. Uh, there's a couple matchups where I haven't played Mist, and... Sometimes I miss him, sometimes I don't, so I'm still playing around with it. But oh, I, I see what you did there. Yeah. So when I need to score, though, Mist is usually in that lineup just because just of the two-inch reach. If it's me and you're playing a scoring lineup, you're taking Minx, too. I tell you what, Minx is, Minx is going into a couple of my lineups just because Mark Target is big for teams that want to try to stay away from you. And then also just the free charge and, yeah, the snared. And it's it's just it's good. She's just good. I, miss, I know you I miss, miss her. Minx. <laughs> <laughs> I like that Minx, but I miss O Minx. And I tell you what, something else I'm playing with that might be an auto include. I just got to play with it a little bit more. Is decimate just because I like the second win still. So I'm still playing around with that with uh, Blackheart, but we'll see how what that pans out. Snakeskin is anybody playing Snakeskin or what? Snakeskin got so I've much seen, better. I've seen I've seen Snakeskin. Um, I haven't figured out how I like playing her yet. But, yeah, the beautiful is just super nice. So I think if you go against a guild like the Fisherman, you might bring Snakeskin just so they can't do those range, like, you know, BS plays. Same thing with Alchemist. Just put the ball on Snakeskin, and, you know, they can't do that stupid balls of fire thing with uh, Crucible. So, uh, yeah, I feel I feel like it's good. She's in, she's in my 12 for sure. She just only goes in certain matchups. Okay, so I have a question about how you set up lineups with Blackheart. Okay. O-Rage can only play with Blackheart. He can't play yep. with Vet Rage, right? So what what determines whether or not you take Rage into a matchup? So I like... So Rage is good because now he can actually benefit from his team, whereas in last season he couldn't. The I think where you need to be careful with Rage, and I would probably make Rage my last pick because... The reason why is when you look at him, he only brings one influence. He can get you four swings because he does charge for free and he has Berserk. He also has Tooled Up, which is nice. He has Concussion, which is nice. And those are both very usable plays. But if your opponent starts bringing too many two-inch reach models, I really feel like it's you either have to then play him very conservative, conservatively and keep him back. Or you need to just not bring him because... I've brought him in a couple of games. Like, I brought him in a game against Farmers, and that was just an awful game. I was like, I don't even know why I brought this fucking dude. So I, I really feel like you need to watch your matchups with Rage because he's like Boar where he can be controlled easier, except for it's worse because he only has a one-inch reach. 
Okay. So I've, I, you just got to be really, really careful with Rage. He's, he's really good in this season, but he's easy to control and and work over if you get him out of position. Okay. So, but he's really good. I like him. I mean, the fact that he puts out bleed and he charges for free and he gets four attacks, all super good. It's just, like I said, you just got to make sure he doesn't get controlled. Similar how boar can be controlled. So any of those control matchups, you don't want to bring him. John will be like, okay, you can charge over here by my bear. <laughs> and then the bear eats him. Stupid yep. bear. Can't wait for that bear to take a nerf. Yeah, so like I said, a lot of <laughs> and there's a lot of interesting lineups with Blackheart. I, I just I've really been enjoying him. His legendary is super interesting. Uh, you can use it defensively. His, his legendary lets every model within six inches get one of the effects. So you can either be like, hey, I'm going to give everybody plus one defense, which is pretty good, right? Bringing people up to like a five defense or a four defense is really good. But I like his other one where you can actually dodge two inches because I've used that to either like get myself clear to get a goal or I've used it to dodge everybody on a model so I get a bunch of gang ups. That way I can kill a model. So I actually like the dodge part of his legendary a little better than the defensive part. Okay. So uh, some some things to clue people in on with Blackheart that I think they need to be aware of. Um, one, if you have an opportunity to kill Blackheart, you need to take it when it's there because the Shadow Like is going to be something that always enables him to escape you, basically. Yeah. And the armor means that if somebody starts putting an effort into healing him, that he's going to be tough to kill. So if you have an opportunity to kill Blackheart, do it promptly. Don't leave him sitting out there waiting. I think that's an error. Um, then I also would say that, uh, you know, be aware of the fact that with the legendary play, basically it will either enable his models to hang into a scrum for a turn or enable all of them to get out and bounce all over the all over the pitch and so uh just be aware that on that legendary turn if it hasn't been spent yet that union team can be coming at you or can be diving away from you uh depending on how somebody wants to use that legendary play yeah there is there's a game you and i played chris where i think you came in with ox's legendary and you activated him first and went into blackheart and i was full so ox wasn't able to kill blackheart but then, since you didn't kill him, I was able to dodge, get some attacks, dodge again, and then just run away from you, just because of how slippery Blackheart really is. Yeah. And, and then, the last thing that I think I should mention to people as they look at it is that be aware that Blackheart, while I don't really think he's designed to be one-rounding models, if you have a model that has taken some damage, like... A 14, a 14 hitbox model and they're down to 10 or whatever, Blackheart will be able to take them out. So don't underestimate him as a piece that can take out opposing models. Yeah, and that's actually why I like... There's been a couple of matchups where I like putting Hemlock into it because you can put out that Noxious Blast on models and they can start taking poison damage. 
And then those are the models that I kind of key on where it's like, okay, if they just get out a little bit too much, I can bring Blackheart up in and just, you know, take them out. Blackheart is one of those models. It's like when you get to 10 damage, if he has a full stack, that model's probably going to die. Yeah, so be aware of that when you're playing Blackheart. I think people underestimate those things. Um, they see the movement and they think, oh, well, this model can't move around a lot. He actually can move around better than your 6-8 models. I think that people see the defense and they don't always give the two armor its due. And then finally, I think that people assume, well, he's the scoring captain, so they're not as worried about him taking out models, but he absolutely can do it if they've got a chink in their armor already. Oh, yeah. And especially if you got gang ups or if Harry puts out singled out. Uh, there's been a couple of games where I activate Harry before Blackheart as my first activation, slap singled out on a couple of models, and now it's like, okay, you can activate one of those models. But one of them is going to get ganged up on and some bad things will probably happen. Yeah. So looking at it, uh, I'll tell you a couple models that I don't bring with Blackheart just because they don't make any sense is Avarice and Greed are kind of too slow to hang out with Blackheart. So they can't really be friends. Plus they have a top hat so Blackheart doesn't want to hang out with them. (laughs) Wow, really? That's going to be your thing now? Like deciding models based on if they have a top hat? Yep. Yep, if they have a top hat, they can hang out with Blackheart. Gotcha, gotcha, okay. <laughs> um, Benediction is also too slow to hang out with Blackheart. He just, that 4-6 really kind of hinders what he what he does. Plus, Benediction can be a little influence hungry. And if you can't buy attacks through him with Rage like you can in uh, that Rage list, then he's not really not really a great player to have on uh, Blackheart's lineup. And yeah, pretty much everybody else's game you can you can put in a black heart lineup and Grace? have some effect with it. Uh, I mean, I don't recognize Grace as a union player, so. Well, you brought up Benediction, so. <laughs> I recognize Benediction. I don't rec- recognize Grace as a actual Guild Ball model. You're a freaking weirdo. Well, so I th- I think Grace need- she might be one of the models in Union that gets some love during the uh, during the Errata, so we'll see. She, she might be the one that they, they changed to help the church and help Union out a little bit because she doesn't bring anything sexy to the team. It's tough the way they have it set up where she can play for, like, both sides. Yeah, because you got to be careful how you balance it, right? Yeah, like, I, I, almost, I almost wish that Grace and Benediction were just solely players that could play for the Order because... One, their the their backstory and everything would make sense that they're only order models, and I feel like there are other ones that you could tap into that would be more fun. Uh, well, I mean, who else would you bring over from the church to play in the union? Spigot. Yeah, I think Spigot would Spigot would be really good. He would be okay. really good, but like what I'm saying is, it just makes more sense than maybe. Then Grace and Benediction, just from the standpoint that they're like zealots. Like, Spicket is a convert to the church, but he's not a mask-wearing zealot like the others. Yeah. I mean, but those zealots were brought in to kind of keep an eye on the Union, though. So, I mean, it makes sense that they play with them. That way they can make sure they're they're following the agenda of the church. So, I mean, I, mean, I could have seen it either way. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean... I think that Blackheart has a lot of play. I think that 
And another thing that I like, and I've been comparing him to season three Theron, because I feel like hunters were one of those guilds that people just weren't respecting in season three. And Theron was getting most of the play with hunters. And it's just people were surprised at what Theron could do and how flexible he was. And I really feel like, you know, Blackheart's the same way. It's like you put him on the pitch and people look at it. And it's almost like a mystery. Like, okay, how are you going to chain all these weird-ass things he has on his card together? Yeah. So that's kind of why I like him and I've been having fun with him. Because I think he does let you be a little more creative on the pitch as far as uh, playing him as compared to, like, Rage. Rage, you know what Rage is going to fucking do. Right. I like Blackheart's versatility. And Rage is just one – he's got one goal in mind. Yep. Get four <laughs> takeouts and then score a goal. Or get two quick takeouts and get a goal and then get your snap back. Something that I got to play around with that I haven't really experimented with, but the more I look at it is like, why am I not using this? Is Blackheart has misdirection. So he can take an influence off a model and then reallocate it to somebody else. So okay. I think when I when I start playing other teams, like maybe next time I play Butchers or next time I play somebody who you know, has an influence and they're trying to do something cute with it, like maybe score a goal or something. Using misdirection to screw that up could be really, really fun. It's like, hey, Boar, you can do your free charge. Oh, but you're engaged and I just took your influence off. Well, the nice part of it is that is a little bit expensive to do because it does cost two. Well, and that's why, well, it really only costs one, right? Because you get to allocate one influence to a friendly model. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay, well, yeah. then they should make it cost three. <laughs> well, so that's what I'm whoever, saying. So whoever's listening from Steamforge, feel free to uh, make that cost three instead. <laughs> so that's what I'm saying. You, you aren't going to use it every game, but I think, like, you play against, like, Boar or somebody who's, like, is going to use that one influence for a very specific thing. You can be like, oh, I'm going to go ahead and misdirection that. Okay, now I'm going to give that influence to this boy behind me. So... I, I think I need to start using that a little bit more. And, and this goes into our get good segment, right? Where it's like the more you play a certain guild and captain, the more little tricks that you figure out like that. Yeah. All right. So anything else you guys had questions with Blackheart lineup? Like I said, I'm, I'm kind of a novice with him still, but I'm really enjoying it and getting some really cool games in with him. No, I'm excited to play against him. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting. That's the one matchup I actually want to get some games in with you, John, is because I think it's funny that Hunters aren't winning as much as people thought they were going to win. I think those numbers are starting to creep up a little bit. But... Well, I know that, John, you ended up opening somebody's eyes up. You had a visitor up in Asheville, and they were pretty happy with what you were able to do with those Hunters, right? Yeah. Yeah, you had your boy Jared McGraw up, right? Yeah, I mean, we come and hung out. We played a couple games. Tried to convince him to move to Asheville. Yeah, always. Always. He's, a, he's an Asheville <laughs> kind of guy, man. Beer and outdoors is what we got. I yeah, heard he that see. Asheville didn't even make the list of top ten beer cities in the world. What are you talking about? Well, I'm just saying, like, Alon was sharing, like, an article about top ten beer cities and didn't Asheville, like, get left off the list? Oh, because he found one one website that was a wine website and <laughs> it had Raleigh on it. <laughs> That was pretty pretty funny. <laughs> hey, I'm willing to go and test out theories. Yeah, you know. Yeah, so it's just I'm having so much fun with Blackheart. I would encourage anybody that plays Union or 
is thinking about playing union to really give him a shot because if if you can do like if you're one of those people who likes to do a little bit of jank on the pitch this is the captain for you he's the one that really lets you do some really creative things and especially just he loves bouncing off models that's probably the most fun part is you can sit here and go I'm going to buy an attack against this model. All right, you're going to counterattack. I'm going to go ahead and do one damage and double dodge to this next model. All right, well, now I'm going to attack that model. All right, well, I'm going to tackle that ball. Okay, now I'm going to double dodge off you. <laughs> and it's just, it's fun. And he's tack six. That's nothing to sneeze at. Tack six is actually really impressive on a model like he, like him. Maybe that's the answer. Maybe they need to bring him down to tack five. Okay, you're, you're talking like he's broken or something. He's definitely not broken. I, I still think he could be adjusted a little. Just t- tweak him a every little time bit. I play, how come every time I play somebody, you're like, oh, I think they need to be adjusted? Because I don't want you to have a good experience, Pete. That, isn't that obvious? <laughs> I'm just trying to ruin your fun. Apparently. Fun police <laughs> over here. God. I'm just saying, maybe they maybe they give him, like, tack 5 and give Devon a tack 6. See, like, but then if you make him tack 5, then isn't he really just season brisket? <laughs> I already have to deal with that playing season brisket in our, you know, new season four league. Yeah, she is fucking terrible. Now, yeah, I don't know. I don't She's know. Better than Grange. She, she... <laughs> you know, you're probably not wrong there. Speaking of Arata, fix Grange. Jesus Christ! Please, can we get a second captain for the farmers? <laughs> Could we get a first captain for the order? <laughs> Well, sorry, they're a minor guild. They only get one. Yeah, well, they don't even have one, so that's my point. Instead, <laughs> they, they got, like, cap- a shitty squad. <laughs> they are ca- they are captainless. Honestly, like, brisket could be fixed with one... The season brisket could be fixed with one thing. Well, we'll talk about her sometime, I guess. <laughs> just saying. She could be fixed if you just gave her a double dodge tackle. Doesn't even have I, to be momentous. And it so would what I, be fixed. So here's what I want to do for this... Uh, this last part before this will be our parting blow before we get out of here. So looking at these tournaments coming up and if you guys have any questions about black art, feel free to uh, give us a shout out on uh, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, if you're on our, if you're one of our patrons, you know, you can talk us up on the patrons page. We are about to put out a mini cast for the patrons. So they'll enjoy that one too. But if you have any questions about black art, maybe you have some ideas, some cool things you've done. Just give us a shout out chair and we'll hit you up. Something else we need to do, though, is there's two things I want to hit up and then anything you guys got. Is First thing is we have these tournaments coming up. So, like I said in the beginning, some of these bigger ones. What are some of the goals you guys have for these tournaments, and what guilds are you planning on playing? I mean, are you guys planning on playing your bread and butter guilds, or what are you, what are you planning on doing? Yeah. <laughs> so, so, John, what's your? let's just kind of go with the bourbon trail because that's what you and i are going to like what what are your goals for bourbon trail are you trying to win it all uh, yeah i mean all everything i go to i'm trying to win it all um i'm trying to i'm i don't know try to try not to get too drunk and throw up or anything <laughs> trying i'm not trying to throw up in i'm the... trying to find that my my perfect experience would be to find that perfect balance of uh, really enjoying the partaking there and being competitive so what's what <laughs> good luck that's that's fair well it's hard because the more you win like the later the rounds you get into the more it's like oh i can't really fucking drink because then you know 
then I'm ended up picking the wrong captain or some other dumb shit. Right, but I mean, I kind of look at it. You know, it's part. It's part of vacation. It's a mini vacation because I'm going. Yeah. You know, we're going to almost Louisville and going to a distillery I've never been to before. So I want to take and have fun and vacation and not make it, and not ruin the whole time by just being competitive the whole time. No, no matter how right, well so, I'm doing, so finding the perfect balance of having a good time vacation wise and still competing. So I'm playing Union, and my goal is to go try and go like. I assume we're probably going at least five rounds. So my goal would be four and one with Union. That's what I'm going to try to do. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. But here, here's the over under. So I'm going to give you guys a number, and I want you to tell me if you're going to go over and under with this number. So over under, there are going to be 48 players at this event. Are there going to be over or under eight butcher players? At so Bourbon Trail. Over that, at, at Bourbon Trail. I haven't looked at the lineup in a while, but I bet over. So you're saying like a sixth of all players are Butcher's players? Yep, and just so you know, there's 25 people that have not picked a guild yet. Four people are already Butcher's. Yeah, that's going to be over. <laughs> so you guys are both picking over eight? Yep. I, yep. I guess I ought to find out what the Butcher's do this season. <laughs> yeah, you definitely want to get a couple games in with that because... Yeah, yeah enjoy you, playing with yourself. <laughs> you you got to play some Butcher's. You don't have a good butcher's player up there. I don't have players. Period. <laughs> <laughs> You're a bad pundit. Yeah. Hey, we just got a new player out the other day, man. There you go. There you go. Who, Jared McGraw? No, we're working <laughs> on him. Come on down, Jared. All right, so Chris, what about you? Your first big tournament's going to be spring fling, right? I believe so. So, what is your goal going into spring fling this year? Last Obviously, year win best sport. No shit. Well, Come on. Well, last last year you went three and three, didn't you? No, spring fling. I. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Last year I went three and three. three, and three. Yeah, yeah. So, is your goal to maintain? And I felt like better? I could have gone like five and one. <laughs> I'm so but you, pissed. But it. But you didn't. I know. So, um, I don't know. I want to be able to win something this time, like like best in guild. Best in guild. It's like some shit, like. I felt like it was this perfect of convergence of events to where, like, it was so mediocre that, like, it just didn't qualify for anything positive. <laughs> and Chris was mad because we made him eat at a Taco Bell. Yeah, don't waste a meal of mine like that. <laughs> you have the food committee available. Take advantage. I know, right? Uh, if, if you're sleeping in the hotel room with Chris, make sure you bring a good set of earplugs. Listen, I had to sleep on a fucking box spring last year. That was bullshit. I slept on the floor. I, I tell you what, the hotel rooms there are nice, though. I did like the size of them because you can pack a good amount of nerds in there. I slept on the floor, but but I was next to the air conditioner that drowned your ass out. There you go. Well, look at you. You were blessed. So I'll take the floor again if it's on the opposite side of the room from you next to the air conditioner. <laughs> Maybe I wouldn't be snoring if I didn't have to sleep on a box spring. I doubt that. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, maybe me being down a couple pounds will help. There you go. Yeah, I know. I'm like down eight pounds since the year started. Well, there's a goal for spring fling. Boom. <laughs> spring fling is in April? <laughs> no. Spring fling is in April, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I got like four months, so in theory I could be down like 32 pounds. (laughs) (laughs) 
Let's just make it easy. 30 pounds. I'll be down 30 pounds from the beginning of the year, and then I won't be snoring, so then you guys can't bitch. Goals. I like Hashtag it. goals. That is a good goal. All right, so last thing that I want is, have you guys been looking at some of these conversions that people have been sending us? Sure. We'll Why can't that. I post a picture? Oh, God, really. All right, let me send this to you guys, and we'll, we'll do a live vote off of uh, the podcast here. All right, so I'm sending these War Machine ones first. This Fang Tooth one's really good. Oh, damn it. I don't have a picture of my tater with no legs. Damn it. All right. So I sent you guys about four of them. And you, and you guys can let me know which ones you like. What am I even looking at here? Okay. They're pretty good. I don't even know the first one. Like, I don't even know how that's a conversion because I don't know that game. Well, so you usually that that war machine faction for the listeners that are basically the patrons, but <laughs> uh, it's actually a Signar army and usually they have human heads. So this guy converted goblin heads on everything. Oh, okay. So is that the same thing with the second one with all the pit, pit things? Yeah. Yeah. Basically his Signar faction, he decided to make into like this goblin kind of faction, which and those are supposed to be cool. horses, but instead they're pigs. Well, yeah. I don't know what that is, so you lose. But the third one, that fang tooth, is fucking sexy. That fang tooth is fucking hilarious. <laughs> and so, so that is definitely winning. All right, so fang tooth's going to end up winning it. So if and I'll post this on Twitter, and Chris will post it on Facebook. But basically, for the listeners, it's fang tooth, and it's not quite finished yet. He told me, but it, it's coming out pretty good. It's fang tooth is lifting up his skirt, and he's got these little skinny like girl legs on top of his <laughs> and then he has this big huge fat body on top <laughs> that's of awesome i mean the fillet that's so funny the fillet looks it, sick it's almost it, where do you get those legs like, from where they're like scaly <laughs> I, I don't know it's almost like though you guys know toy story with sid and all his like yes toys that he like cuts up and puts together it's kind of like that i'll tell you <laughs> what that goblin cane though was pretty neat yes that that's one that i did like is that goblin cane so wait is I this the same guy like because i feel like did the same guy do all of these conversions that you sent to me? Yeah, the the, the Signar ones, yeah. Okay, so no matter what, like, oh, wait, no, I'm, now I'm getting more. Okay. So, and, and my vote for who is going to win one of the conversions so is going to be Brad Moreland. This guy has been basically putting in stuff each time we've done some kind of like, hey, we're giving away an ox card. He's been one of the guys that has replied, and he's, he's the guy that did this Signar army with okay. all the goblin heads. So just because he's been so persistent and just he's been listening to the show and he's been doing all these cool things, I'm going to pick him as one of the winners of the card. Yeah, remember how persistence gets people places when it comes time to voting for best. Fuck, give them all cards. These things are badass. So here's the deal. Um, if we can't get all cards, um, I guess Pete's not getting his because um, he's the one that promised this. <laughs> Fair enough. So, so, so yeah, so definitely Brad's getting one, Speed Freak's getting one off of Twitter, and then we'll see if our international people get one if we have enough cards. <laughs> All right, so thanks for entering, guys. Like I said, we'll get those cards out to you guys. Great job with those conversions. Really awesome to see, especially that Fang Tooth is just fucking hilarious. I'd, I, I tell you what, I'd love to see an update on that if... Uh, if you got that done there, Speed Freak, go ahead and send us an updated picture of it, because, yeah, I'd love to see that done. Yeah, because that is super freaky. Well, guys, all right, with that said, we'll uh, roll some dice and throw some salt. <laughs>